I'm glad to see you, and if you're a first-time guest, we're elated that you are here and that you uh, came to North Star today. North Star's a place where everybody is welcome, nobody is perfect. Say it with me, church, and anything is possible. If you do believe that, you've got hope in your life because God is a God of hope and God is the God of possibilities. For with God, the Bible says, nothing is impossible. And I'm glad that we serve a God like that. You just saw the video. We're really pumped about Father's Day. That's next week, by the way, if uh, time is getting away from you. But uh, bring a t-shirt, a new one, a polo, or a button-down, all right? We're going to give these to some men in our communities who could really benefit from that, from your generosity and from your thoughtfulness to do that on, on Father's Day. I want, before I get into the message, I, I just got to talk about a couple of things. One, summer blasts this week. I'm glad that we're a part of a church that, that does things like summer blasts. And if you haven't signed up for that, for your kids, do that today, today. Uh, they're going to have such a good time this week at summer, summer blast. And uh, uh, a couple other things. One, you know, we are the sending church. In other words, we're planting a church in New Orleans. It's called Cross Culture Community Church. Pastor Troy Gauss, not the Troy that's on staff at North Star, but Troy Gauss, and uh, he's planting this church. He's doing a phenomenal job there starting this church. And uh, the fact that we're the sending church, what that means is that we're financially supporting him, we're prayerfully uh, supporting him uh, and this church, and uh, we're praying for partnering churches that will come alongside of him and, and us as we help him. But there's, on the, in the foyer, there's a, 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 a board um, called um, the SIN board. Not, that's S-E-N-D, that's not S-I-N. You with me? Because it'd be much bigger board. But anyway, um, there's a list of things. One of the things that Pastor Troy is doing is when they have people to visit their, their um, new church, they're giving them gift bags, and the gift bags might have uh, a, a Starbucks gift card or some other items, and those items are listed on that board at both of our campuses, so if you'd like to participate in that and be a blessing to him, I'm telling you, uh, God will bless you for, for being a part of that. Another thing is um, serve day. I know this is like early, but it's really on my mind right now, and I, I just want to preach or say a word about it, and that is last year we had 300 people at North Star who went out on one day with 30 different projects, just uh, showering our communities with the love of Jesus. And we're going to do it this year. I'm thinking that was such a, a great um, participation. This year we're going to have 450, all right? You with me on that? I mean, I'm thinking big, and I'm thinking let's get involved and let's get out. Let's get out of the four walls of, of the building, and let's tell people about Jesus. Let's serve them and show Christ's love for them. So be listening. We're not ready for you to, to, to sign up yet, but be listening for that. We're compiling the projects even now, and uh, that's 
going to be awesome. One last thing, next week is Father's Day. It, look, it's going to be fun because we're doing some stuff that's especially for that day that's going to be very unique and uh, you don't want to miss Father's Day. But right after that, this is really on my mind because I've been uh, really into these messages, but we're beginning a brand new series right after Father's Day called A Life That Follows Jesus. What does it look like to, to live your life following the Lord Jesus? So I'm pumped about that. I'm pumped about a lot of things. We exist as a church so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. How many believe that that Jesus will transform a person's life. Amen? We welcome those that are joining us online today or at some future date that might, might be watching. And moments ago, uh, our Tupelo campus joined us. Make some noise for those guys over there. You glad you came today or it's like, sort of? You glad? Say amen. All right. Okay, good. We're concluding a two-part series entitled Rich. Last week, I defined what rich is. If you make $33,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Now, I know every service I've felt this. I know there's somebody thinking, yeah, but the cost of living is so much... Well, the cost of living is cheaper in Mississippi than it is in California, but that's beside the point. Gas is $2.25 a gallon plus in those many of the places in the world. So just go with me on this. Uh, if you make $33,000, you're in the one, top 1% 1 of wage earners in the world. If you make 80000 this is combined, if you make $80,000 a year, you're in the top one-tenth of 1% 1 of wage earners in the world. I said last week that if you make $33,000 a year, it would take someone in Indonesia 44 years to earn that amount of money. The monthly salary for $33,000 a year would pay the monthly salary of 144 medical doctors in Pakistan. So what I said last week was, we... Are rich. The good news is we're rich. The bad news is we're rich. <laughs> you know? And so when, when we're rich, number one, it, it makes it harder to depend on God because we think, oh, we're rich or we've got plenty. Here we are in, in this region and I got plenty. I've got a good life. And we're relaxed and grilling on the weekend and I've got plenty. And and so, this does not mean it happens to everybody, but, but go with me. When, when we're rich, it's harder for us to depend on God because we're depending on ourselves. I know we may say, oh God, thank you for giving me this job, and thank you for giving me sense to work at this job, and thank you for giving me a car to be able to drive to this job, thank you for giving me a house that has a house for my two cars and a shed that will house my motorcycle, and a cover for my boat. Thank you, God. And so when we're rich, sometimes it makes it harder for us to, to depend on God. Second, when we're rich, it distracts us from the most important priorities. 
So we're, we're living our lives, doing our thing, doing our recreation and our spare time and our fun time and our work time, and we're doing all of this, and sometimes the things that we have, well, actually they have us. Instead of us having them, they have us. But oftentimes what that does, <coughs> excuse me, it, it distracts us from the most important priorities. And, and third, when, we, when, we have, when we're rich, God expects more from us. And so that becomes a problem. And so Jesus said, he, he didn't say money is the root of all evil, because that's the way we quote it sometimes. But what Jesus said was, was the love of money is the root of all evil. So may I just simply remind you that when you love and trust money, number one, uh, the, if you missed this last week, this is what I gave the church. But you might want to jot these down. When you love and trust money, number one, you never have enough. How much is enough? Well, I don't know, more. <laughs> uh, you, never have, you never seem to have enough. And, and second, when, when we're rich, it becomes increasingly difficult to give big. Now, giving big is relative. What giving big for you might look different than what giving big for me is. But when we love and trust money, we have a hard time giving big. And then finally, when we love and trust money, we have money in the bank, but no peace in our hearts. Now, what I'm going to talk about today in this part two of this uh, mini-series, and uh, if you're not a Christian, you're, you're thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not a Christian today because whew, this is what Christians do. No, if you would listen to me... Uh, there's nothing uncomfortable about talking about money, even though preachers like me will get up and say things to lighten the air, like people get funny when you talk about money and sex. And somehow that's the two things that people really, whoo, they get really still, like deer in the headlight look. Is he looking at me? Did he see my check? Or did he see me not put anything? You know, and so, look, relax. But maybe, seriously, Maybe through this service, God would so challenge you and, and make your heart more to him that you leave here like refreshed. I don't think I've ever heard anybody tell me after I've preached on tithing or giving, oh, that was so refreshing today. But, but, but it could be. It is really, it is for me. Yeah, you're the one talking. You ain't got to listen to you. Uh... I had to listen to God before I, I talked to you. So, yeah, it, it, it affects me, too. And um, I dispense this stuff, but I'm also a user. I, 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 I use. I use what I tell you. And so, anyway, some of you don't really understand that last one. But, um, and it scares me for those who really did. So let me just move on. Uh, I want to talk about some things today that I think are very practical that will help you. This is not our text, but in 1 Timothy, let me just reiterate this passage. Uh, Timothy, uh, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, command those, command those that are in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their, their trust or their hope in verse uh, 17, not to put 
their hope in wealth, which is so, what, uncertain. Because you know about wealth, uh, you have it at one moment and you cannot have it in another. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our own enjoyment. You see, when I read that, I thought, you know, God, uh, he's, uh, he's given me this stuff for my own enjoyment. And so I'm very careful to say, because I don't want anybody to think, oh, I shouldn't have bought that car, or I shouldn't have bought that bike, or I shouldn't have bought that fill-in-the-blank. And the things that God gives us, he's got our best interest at heart. And so the things that God gives us is for our own enjoyment. This is what I know. God wants you to enjoy what he has given to you. We, the misnomer or the misconception of the Christian life is that if you give your heart to Christ and, and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, then, then it's a lot of rigid religion and rigid rules and you have to act a certain way and talk a certain way. Well, let me just say this, that if you're in Christ Jesus, you do act different, you do talk different, you do spend different, but there's joy in the Christian life. I have never in my life had the kind of time that I'm having right now in my walk with the Lord Jesus. And so he has my best interest at heart, so he, he wants me to enjoy the things that he has given me. Now, my text is one verse. It's uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 11. He says, you will be enriched. Say enriched. Say it like you meant it. Enriched. Say it like a preacher. You will be enriched in every way. How many kind of ways? In every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He's saying when you're generous... When you wake up in the morning and you say, you know, I'm going to be generous. Or I'm going to commit my life to a life of, of generosity. Other people, I'm going to bless somebody today. And what the Bible says, what that verse is saying, and when you do, they are going to give praise and thanksgiving to God. If there's anything that I want to happen because of my life, is I want somebody else to give praise and thanksgiving to God. Not for me, but... If, if what I do can bring that on, how awesome is that? You see somebody in the, in the grocery line, and you can tell they're not buying nothing but the bare necessities. And you can tell maybe there's an issue or a problem going on. And you just like step forward and pay for their groceries. They don't know you from anybody. And they walk out of the store and they say, oh God, you have answered my prayer and I give praise to you. And so that's the kind of generosity that Paul was, was saying that we need to have. Now, back in 
1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, he says this. He says, I command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. He didn't say, look, Paul, uh, Timothy, look, 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 Timothy, when, when you're talking to these people at church that are rich, don't like talk them into it. He wasn't saying, look, look, guys, look, church, I think that I've been thinking about this. This would be a good idea. That's not what he said. He said, Timothy, when you're talking to these people, I want you to command. This is a command for me, from me. Now, last week, I, I had this long uh, statement, and we're going to put it up today. It says, God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Are you with me? Look at it again, write it down or whatever. He says, God has blessed me. And I, I really believe this passage. God has blessed me with more than I need. Amen? Man, I, he's blessed me with more. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. My God has supplied me with more, has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. Pause. It's, you still hung up on the fact that $33,000 a year is, is not rich. I know we have a concept of what is wealthy and what is rich, and it may not be the rich and famous like we see on television, but it's the facts and the stats are accurate. God has blessed me with more than I need. That is so true in my own life. I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but I will trust in him who richly provides. Now I want to add to that today this statement. Because I have more, I will give more. Because I have more, I'm going to give more. And so this is the principle that Marla, my wife Marla, and I have tried. We've not perfected it. We've not always done it the way we should have. But this principle, I have more, so I'm going to give more, is part of our relationship. This is how we operate. Now what I'm going to do today is just give you some practical things that will help you in obeying God. We want to obey God. I mean, how many want to be uh, below average in life? Anybody? Yeah, I like being below average. They don't ask me to do much. Some, some redneck, Ledbetter maybe has said something like that. But you're not going to say that. Yeah, I like to be below average when I go fishing. Yeah, I like to be below average when I'm golfing. No, you don't. But why would we want to be below average givers? Whoa! He sprung that one on us. That's a little harsh, isn't it, Pastor? Uh, yeah. Uh, welcome to North Star. We're here to make you feel all warm and fuzzy when you leave. No, not really. But, yeah. They tell us that 
the, the lowest wage earners in America give twice as much as the top 25. Something's not right about that. And so what I want to give you today, I think, will, will help. And this is what my wife and I practice, and we believe these are biblical truths that we've instituted into our marriage. Number one, we give strategically. Strategically. That means we, we think about it, we plan. We plan, oh, I just like to give uh, spontaneously. Well, giving spontaneously is not bad, and I'm going to come back to that. But when the wise men came to see the baby Jesus, they didn't get there. You look this up. They didn't get there and say, oh, man, I knew we were forgetting something. We didn't get a baby gift. Let's go to Walmart. I'm not going to Walmart. That would have been me. Uh, No, let's go to Babies R Us and let's pick something up real quick. They'll never know. That's not how it went down. The wise men, they planned it before they even left the east to travel all of those miles to see Jesus. They, They planned it out. And so, one thing about giving strategically. In the same chapter that we read a moment ago in 2 Corinthians, we read verse uh, 11. I want to read verse 7. It says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, planning strategically. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Now, as... As Marla and I, uh, got, when we got married, uh, we base our, um, financially, we base our uh, relationship, off, not our relationship, but we instituted this principle from the Word of God, and, that, that, and it is found in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And this is referring to, equivalent of, and referring to the church. Uh, I'm a member of this church, or I attend this church, and this is where my tithe goes. This is where I, I, I don't just attend, I am a member, so I think the senior pastor should be a member, right? And so... We bring our tithe, and we decided this is where we go to church. This is where we've invested our lives. We are members, so we we give. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. All right, so uh, we tithe, we, we give. Now, when I say strategically, for us, it's, and I believe the Bible teaches this, we start with a tithe. That's just the, the minimum. It's 10%. I, I remember uh, the year that we got married, and we've been married a long time. Um, oh, goodness gracious. It's time for a cruise or something. I'm just saying. I'm glad my wife was at the first service. I didn't say that the first service. But 35 years. 
for 35 years. Even before then, we both as individuals were tithing. But we decided we're going to do what the Bible says. So I made $125 a week. And I know that doesn't sound like much. And I know you're saying, yeah, but that was way back when. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it wasn't much, just the same. And I took a scratch uh, sheet of paper, cut it in half, and wrote the amount that I made per week. I got paid on Sunday because that's when a lot of churches think that the only day a preacher works is on Sunday. And so I was just glad to get it. I didn't care what they thought. And so I got $125. So I wrote uh, week one, uh, June 4, for example. Week two, June 11. Week three, June 18. Week four, June 25th. And if it was five Sunday month, we were elated because we thought we were getting an extra check. Uh, anyway, and I said under June 4, I put the word handwritten because we didn't have a computer. I don't think they made them yet for people. And um, we wrote the word tithe. Well, what's 10% of $125? $12.50. And so that was first, always. We didn't have anything. And you're thinking, yeah, but back then, $125 is like this today. No, we were broke then, seriously. And so we, we put under that uh, electric bill, under that gas bill, under that water bill. Uh, where we lived, there was no cable. Uh, there, there were no cell phones, but we put phone bill. And then I think, uh, I know we had insurance, so put insurance and uh, divided that by four and, and, and all of that. And I did that for June the 4th, June the 11th, June the 18th, June the 25th. Always first was the tithe. Yeah, but pastor, oh, I've been researching this. You probably hadn't. But in case you have, uh, that, isn't that an Old Testament principle? Isn't, aren't we living under grace? Aren't we living in the New Testament days? I've said this before, and if I preach on tithing next year, I'll probably say it again. Abraham commenced it. Jacob continued it. Moses commanded it. By the way, Abraham was tithing before Moses ever commanded it. Moses commanded it. Jesus commended it. Who am I to cancel it? Matthew 23, Jesus, Jesus says this in verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees and hypocrites. You give a tenth of your uh, spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the most important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. What, what Jesus was saying was this. And this is in the New Testament. What Jesus was saying was this. Hey, you did good, Pharisees, by tithing. But you messed up. You are messed up. People. Because even though you tithe, there's all this other stuff like justice and mercy that, that you're not good at and you're failing at. And so that's what we did. I want to give you something right now because I'm afraid sometimes we're, we preach and we talk and we teach and we never give people uh, maybe 
what's the next step is. I want to tell you what the next step is. Maybe you're saying, you know, I would like to learn how to tithe. I would like to tithe. I want to start tithing. But our, our finances are so messed up right now. Well, maybe you need financial counseling. Maybe you, as a, even as a giver or a poor giver, you, you want to learn some principles that will help you in, in giving. Um, if you will text, jot this number down, 662-493-2311, and just type in the word peace and hit send, you'll get a message back that says, um, we, got, we got it, and we're going to add you to the list to notify you the next time we offer Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey, or something like that. Because that is one uh, program that literally changed our lives. And uh, while I don't have a half sheet of paper anymore, I have his software on my computer, and every month I pull up the monthly cash flow. Um, some print it off, some have envelopes. Uh, many people do it different ways, but the principle is the same. And what you do on the, on the uh, worksheet is you enter in what you make, all right, $125. I hope you make more than that. $125 times 52, that's what you're going to make a year, and so it'll tell you how much that is a month. The first thing that I, I, and I think in this software is tithe. Uh, I tithe, and so I enter in that amount. And then um, I, I have a, just for some examples, real quick, we have a, a line item that says benevolence, and I'm going to talk about that later. Um, it has all of our reoccurring bills, um, whatever luxuries that we have. We don't have to have cable. We don't have to um, have some things. Um, and then it balances it for you. And if you're in the red, you're in trouble. If you're in the red when you're doing this worksheet, you can't, you can't quit. You can't use it until you fix it. And so, uh, okay, let's just say I'm in the red. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, well, man, I can't, let me back off my tithe a little bit. No, that's being disobedient. And the Bible says in Malachi that you'll be cursed. Yeah, that's serious stuff. So, okay, I'm in the red, so I'm going to cut back on my cable package. I've had some cable, different company workers that attend our church said, look, man, lay off the cable, cutting back the cable, because I'll be in the red. <laughs> but uh, you, you do that until you, you balance it, and then it's zero at the bottom. You took it in, you spin it, you save some. And I'm just giving you like a quick overview, but I'm telling you, that's necessary. So I hope you wrote that number down, uh, 662-493-2311. Just no strings attached. We're just going to let you know You'll be the first to know that we have this new class coming up. It will help you. It definitely helped us. We've, we've done this for many, many years. And so, this is what tithing does. This is why it's our strategy. Number one, tithing teaches me to put God first. Tithing teaches me to put God first. That's why I enter it on the first line. God, this is your tithe. And I'll tell you this, and this is not to bring any attention to myself because I'm not going to get uh, uh, specific, but 
I, I know that we tithe and I know that we give above our tithe, but I started adding it up this morning because I just wanted to say, God, if I'm going to stand in front of your people, uh, I want to I be a leader and lead with integrity. And I just want to see, I haven't done this in a while, I want to see what percent that we give to the church. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's, it's, it's I'm not going to say much more, but it's, it's much more than, than 10%. Because God has blessed me with more. I want to give more. The Bible says in the Old Testament book of De Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord uh, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Tithing teaches me to trust God more. Uh, did you get that one? To trust God more. And this is what I know. I will give God my first and my best and trust him to bless the rest. I'm going to give him my first and my, uh, my best and I'm going to trust him to bless the rest. There were times back then that we had that half sheet of paper and we're thinking, uh, don't know how we're going to do it. But God, you're a faithful God. I'm going to be obedient to you. God, but I don't know, I can't figure it out. And that's when God in some announced way would, would come through. And, and I was able always, all of these years, to be able to be faithful with that. So I'm going to give God my first. And I'm going to give him my best whether it's my time, talents, energy, or money, and all of those, and I'm going to just trust him to bless the rest. Number two, real quick. When I tithe, when we give strategically by tithing, it not only teaches me to trust God, but tithing increases my faith. Tithing increases my faith. Because there were times that we didn't think that we were going to be able to do it. We just had to trust God. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there, that there may be meat in my house. Bring it into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Trust me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Trust me in this. And see, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That sounds pretty good to me. And by the way, it's the only place in the Bible that God says, test me on this. So we call it the Malachi 3.10 challenge sometimes. And that is, try it. Try it for six weeks. And if God has not richly blessed you, some other church will refund your money. No, seriously, it's, that's a challenge. Challenge to, to give strategically. Okay, I've got two more, but they're quick. A second thing, a second principle that we instituted in our giving that we believe is based on biblical principles, and that is we give extravagantly. It's not like it sounds, oh, I'm extravagant. It's not like that. But we give... Um, 
We try to give. We've not always been able to do it like this. But we try to be extravagant. Go beyond. And so this is not to call attention to us because I'm not even telling you how much I give. Um, but we give to faith commitment giving, for example. We, uh, faith commitment giving, if you're not familiar with it, uh, is a ministry of uh, giving ministry of our church that supports almost 30 different ministries in our, in our area. Hope Reigns, Transformation Ranch, Safe House, First Choice, Parkgate. We believe, as we are able, our extravagance is to help people that are, that are going on mission trips. Um, it may not be a lot, but we try to help. We support uh, an orphanage. Uh, we support Matal Children's Village. And there are other ways. There are other ways um, that we give. I, I was thinking of some biblical examples of extravagance. One came to mind was Solomon. When he was anointed king, he was required to give one bull. He said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to give one bull. He gave a thousand. David, when he had such a heart to build the temple, so much that God spoke to him and David, the Bible says, he gave of his own wealth. Historians tell us that that gift was the largest gift that has ever been given in history. I talked about this woman last week. Before you start thinking that extravagance means a lot, it's a heart thing. That's what it is. She walks into the church, and the Bible says she put two pennies in the offering bucket that she gave all she had. This is really dear to my heart. I've been on mission trips literally around the world and we are fed food that's better than the people feeding it to us ever have. That's extravagance. And then we give spontaneously. I've not always been able to do that. Um, I've not always been sensitive enough to do that. Can you imagine that, that I'm insensitive? Can you just even fathom it? I don't think so. But there have been times that I wasn't listening. But when I am listening, and when I have gotten my finances in order, God will touch my heart. Hey, won't you help that guy? Why don't you help them? And that's spontaneous. I, I say, yeah, I think I will. I think I will. It might just be slipping them a five or dropping some groceries off anonymously. It may be just sending them a note and say, look, uh, don't ever tell anybody that I did this, but I, wanted to, I just wanted to help you with this right now. Or do it anonymously. And that's giving spontaneously. When you see the need, right? 
But I close by saying, the greatest gift ever was not David's gift. (laughs) It was monetarily the most expensive gift ever given. But do you know the greatest gift that was ever given? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He sent his only son to the earth wrapped in human flesh as a payment for the sins of the people of the world. You, you, all of us. And he went to the cross never having sinned but took on himself the sins of the world both past, present, and future. What gets me is he died knowing that he was dying for my sins and that I was going to keep sinning. How crazy is that? It's crazy love. And Jesus died on the cross, shed his innocent blood, laid in a tomb, and on the third day rose from the grave. That is giving. And if I'm going to pattern my life of giving, I must first consider that he first gave to me. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you, first of all, for your son who died for my sins. If, you, if listening today you realize that you have never been saved, meaning you've never been born again, meaning you've never put your trust in Jesus, you've never said yes to him, I want to give you an opportunity right now, right where you're seated, just to call on the Lord. You can say something like this, just from your heart. God, I realize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus died for my sins on the cross and he rose again on the third day. I repent of my sins. And I turn to you, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I put my trust in you, and I follow you, Lord Jesus, today. Simple as that. It's a heart decision of following Jesus. Now, if you decided to follow Jesus today, I want you to take your hand out at the bottom. There's a perforated card. Would you fill that out and put it in the in the bucket or bring it to guest services even better because we would like to give you a book just indicate that yes today I, I gave my heart to Jesus maybe your prayer today as a follower of Christ is Lord help me to be faithful and to follow you thank you for providing for my needs thank you for your presence today I'm going to ask that everyone stand at both of our campuses. I just want to pray over you. It's a blessing to live the Spirit-filled life of obedience, I'm telling you. And I pray that for you. Father, thank you for, for today and for all the folks that have come out to church today. God, I pray that you have been glorified 
through our songs and through our fellowship and through the word being preached and God in this closing few moments this song just seal the deal with us Lord help us to leave here and never be the same help us to leave here today and honor you take that step of changing and reorganizing so that we can be obedient to you God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name.